I am aware that animals are used in certain kinds of scientific experimentation, including safety testing. But I didn't even know that there's an issue with like, once the experimentation is over, what happens to these animals? So that's mm -hmm. a big problem. Oh, yeah. Most, I mean, most of the time these animals are, you know, sadly euthanized. Welcome to Feed Your Dog Facts, a podcast experience that strips away all of the misinformation, myths, dirty tricks, and BS around dog food, and empowers pet parents with science-first facts. Now, here are your hosts, Dan Shuloff and Jen Wallenek. Well, welcome back to another episode. And today we have a really special guest and I am super, super excited to talk about this topic and really get in to what, what this organization does and who we're talking with. And that is Melissa McWilliams. And she's here with Beagle Freedom Project. And if you haven't heard about the Beagle Freedom Project, it's a nonprofit dedicated to rescuing thousands of beagles and other animals neglected and abused in the name of research, which talk about pulling on the heartstrings. So we are really going to be diving in. Welcome to the podcast, Melissa. Please tell us more about this nonprofit and your mission at Beagle Freedom Project. Yeah, of course. And thank you guys so much for having me on. You know, we're also very passionate you know, um, about the topic, obviously, of animal testing. Um, so any chance we get to share, especially with amazing partners, um, you know, we were very excited. So Beagle Freedom Project is a nonprofit. Um, first and foremost, uh, we are an advocacy organization. Um, we are here to affect change and ultimately end animal testing. And while we do rescue um, and rehome, rehabilitate um, these animals from testing facilities, ultimately it really is just a small portion and kind of, you know, for lack of better use, a Band-Aid on the, you know, overall pro, uh, um, issue. And, the and so issue do you guys have, have whenever I hear advocacy, Part of how I understand it is there's a legal side. I know that you guys specifically have like legal initiatives that you're involved with. Are you a lawyer? Are there are there legal beagles? <laughs> are there legal beagles involved in the in the Beagle Freedom Project? <laughs> I'm definitely gonna tell her that's her new title. You guys um, haven't I, heard that before. That's I just came up with that. For, okay. I cool. did. I mean, it it probably exists, but in terms of like calling her that, I mean, um, so yes, we do have an attorney. Um, and it's actually our president and founder, Shannon. Keith. There you go. Yeah, yep. you can tell. You can yeah. tell when you do like a review of like the work that you guys do that you can just you can smell it right away. Yeah. Oh, and she's been practicing law for a very, very long time. Um, really? And she specifically has been animal rights focused. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, this was just something she could just slide right into um, and continue affecting change. So. Yeah, we have passed um, legislation in regards to um, animal testing. And yeah. the end goal is really, again, to end it. So unfortunately, like, I guess in the grand scheme of things, the legislation that we have passed um, has been more like right to release. So right. once um, it forces, you know, for lack of a better word, a laboratory to release the animals to a qualified organization, such as so us. I had no idea like, that the, us, you know, I didn't know there was any like other way to do that. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, this is I how ignorant that we are. Yeah, is like, I, you know, it's one thing to to make a like I, I am aware that animals are used in certain kinds of scientific experimentation, including safety testing. And I understand it's like easy for me to grasp, like, OK, let's put limits on that. Let's try to end that if you believe that that's the right thing to do. But I didn't even know that there's an issue with like once the experimentation is over, what happens to these animals? So that's mm -hmm. a big problem. Oh, yeah. Um, most I mean, most of the time, these animals are, you know, sadly euthanized. Um, Why? Oh, it's like, first of all, it's a dirty little secret. You know, if mm. you see these animals, as you've seen, like with us, even, you know, rescuing dogs, a lot of people going back to just we know it exists. But, you know, I, I think all of us have this like, well, it's rats and mice and we have this like, yeah. well, they're here for the greater good. And yeah, okay, we know about rabbits and now we're getting a little bit more uncomfortable. And then, oh my goodness, you know, non-human primates, you know, mm. but like little do people know it's literally like all species, dogs, cats, um, alpacas, pigs. I mean, 
you name it, is tested on, unfortunately, because of course there's like different biological and genetic, you know, differences in regards sure. to how things react. But again, I mean, ultimately we know they're not human. So really, but um, yeah, yeah. So mostly they are um, sadly euthanized. Afterwards. Just like the volume. There's just so many of them that it would be costly to find. A, uh, maybe that's it. It's just like, it's just that simple. It's just cheap. It's, it's just like, if well, you don't care, if you don't care mm -hmm. at all, it's just like, well, it's easier for us as a science organization. You know, we're just going to experiments over. We don't need these dogs anymore. Why are we going to spend our time and our money making sure that they just get to actually live? Well, I mean, more so again, it's like they don't want it to get out. And as much as I, I think that sounds sensationalized, um, it isn't. Um, and then on top of it, it's, it's so much, I mean, I guess it is time, um, but knowing like who to release to. And honestly, they look at these animals as commodities, you know? Right, right. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so a lot of, you know, to be... The incredibly disgusting thing is there's, um, you know, uh, um, organizations out there, companies out there that have a breeding facilities and they right. tell, oh, we will purpose breed your um, animal, no matter what it is, ferrets, dogs, hmm. uh, you know, cats to whatever your tests are. So these dogs are already genetically modified in order to endure these tests. So for them, it, again, it does go to cost as well, you know, um, and then the, you know, unseen of like, well, are these dogs like, can they even be rehomed? Like, what about? Yeah, their sure. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, yeah, I, I like to think of like, my, so my knowledge of doggy stuff is deep, but narrow. Like I know a lot about the science of like metabolism and obesity and body composition and very little outside of that. And so I, I, my partner works in animal welfare also. She works for an organization that's called Dogs Playing for Life. And basically what they do is like when individual shelters have animals that they're having difficulty adopting out because their behaviors are making it so that they're not really candidates for adoption, um, they send them to DPFL and DPFL are like trainers of last resort that like, are like the ones they call the specialists you call in to like try to fix the unfixable behavioral problems to make these dogs adoptable. And so I'm getting my first experience the past couple of years as we've been living together. It's like my first experience understanding how how those dynamics work and how that's a, like represents such a significant part of why there's a problem with so many homeless pets. And it's kind of blowing my mind. And I can just imagine the idea, it feels like Romanian um, orphanages to me. It's like, you know how there was the thing in like, Jen, this might be like before your time, but there was a, a point in US history when it was like adoptions from Romanian orphanages was like the easiest way to adopt a kid. And then it became clear that the orphanages, like generally speaking, uh, you correct me if you know more about this than me, Melissa, but like they basically <laughs> were like not giving these kids the, the TLC they needed when they were infants. And so they were producing kids with all these psychological and behavioral issues. They were going like being rehomed all throughout the U.S. And it was like, oopsie, that was a and this this feels like directly analogous to it. Same kind of thing. Just, it's just like, yeah, I mean, with the difference that, of course, they're purpose bred to be in cages. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah, um, yeah. And so they, like almost always they are bred as, you know, puppies or, you know, they They've got their puppies, uh, just like right now. I don't know if you know in the news, uh, in Vigo, um, which is also an innovative company, they have a breeding facility in Virginia with over 5,000 dogs. Um, Jeez. You know, they just, oh, yeah. And they've got egregious violations happening. So I we saw them on your website. Right now have a campaign wow. against them. I saw that. Uh -huh. So we'll give you a chance to like kind of like riff can, on that. Yeah. I'm interested to know, like, how, how did you get involved in this in the first place? Like, did, were you brought in, um, you said that the president's name is, is, Shannon. uh, yeah. Like did she was, Shannon. did you guys know each other before she founded the organization or like, did you get, how did that all, how did this come about for you? Yeah. For, well, for me, I actually heard of Beagle Freedom Project. It was actually Thanksgiving of 2012. 
Um, okay. And it was, um, oh shoot, 2011. I know Shannon's going to get mad. I always <laughs> them. Anyway, um, where uh, they had rescued 40 beagles from a testing lab in Spain. And it was the fourth rescue for the organization, which was like ridiculous. Like it was ridiculous. Um, and it's actually still our largest to date, but um, it was on the news. Um, you know, I was one of those people that's like, you know, I love animals and oh my God, how can dogs be tested on? And then it yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and from there I fostered an animal, one of the beagles, Uno, uh -huh. who's, you know, still going strong and I love- No kidding. Family. <laughs> yeah, cool. he's, he's just enjoying life and I'm like, this is the perfect thing. Um, and that's where I met Shannon. So Beagle Freedom Project actually was founded um, the year before. And um, that was that came about with alongside her, um, you know, uh, attorney um, legal work. Um, she had also founded in 2004 a nonprofit, which was dedicated to just um, education and animal rescue and um, so she'd work with like local shelters, do polls if someone wanted to surrender a dog. So it was just, you know, general basic rescue work, which is amazing. Um, and so in that, then, you know, fast forward to 2010, um, that's when she received a phone call from someone saying, hey, um, I have a, you know, dog from a testing facility. Would you be able to help rehome? And she was like, what? And I mean, she's been, hmm. uh, you know, a vegan for quite quite a long time. So of course, again, animal rights attorney, she's known it, but like, it just like sparked her. Um, and that's what changed her life and the, you know, trajection of um, what the previous uh, sure. nonprofit was and turned into Beagle Freedom Project. Gotcha. So Amazing. I've known since almost the beginning of BFP. Um, and I've been an employee though for just over a year now, but okay. I've been apart for a very long time. Amazing. Gotcha. So when Shannon was receiving these uh, communications of we have a beagle that needs rehomed or the saving of beagles from labs, what are I just want to kind of like wrap our heads around what type of experiments are being done to these beagles? And I know there's also rescuing of other types of animals, but just kind of sticking to the beagles themselves. Is it a certain industry that they're being used in? Is it kind of a certain type of experimentation? I guess I just want to kind of understand more about really what's being done to them and why these companies are using beagles specifically. Yeah, beagles. Um, now, of course, we don't know like specifics as to what, okay. you know, the lab, of course, will mm. never share that with us. Right. We get them directly. Um, however, just generally, it's usually pharmaceuticals. Um, you know, we did know like one of our rescues, they were doing like Viagra type, you know, um, uh, medications or you mm. know, pharmaceuticals. Um, we also have rescued too. Um, beagles from, believe it or not, so in the industry world, you know, it's like we blows our mind every time we hear something, but it was uh, flea and tick medication, which we normally mm -hmm. think like, oh, but dogs need flea and tick medication. The test, like it, it, it doesn't mm -hmm. need to be done because of course there are alternatives out there. Like we know you can make a cruelty free product, but like, you know, the dogs were just in some of the worst shape, you know, health wise that we've ever received. And of course, riddled with fleas and ticks and just, Ugh. yeah. And, you know, so again, it's just like, it, it completely hmm. shakes your brain up all of the time. You know, we have been around, I feel like everything. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, like I would have never have thought of that. Wow. Yeah. So it's a lot of like product <laughs> safety tests. It's like when I think of science experiments, I kind in one way, and Jen and I were trying to think about how to frame this when we were like preparing yeah. for this show, there's kind of like two buckets, at least how I see the world when it comes to like experiments where animals are subjects. There's on the one hand, the research that's done by companies that make products and they're like, we need to know, is this thing safe or is it not safe? 
and we're going to basically subject some kind of animal to this new chemical we came up with or this new product we're thinking about selling and see if it makes this animal sick under some conditions or not. Right. And that's like, I don't know how you like if that there's probably a term of art in the scientific community for that, but I don't know what it but like safety testing or something like that. Yep. And then there's like the scientific testing. You know, I wrote a book about nutritional science, about like what we the vets in America are being taught about various topics of nutrition when it comes to dogs and cats. Mm -hmm. And that whole world is built up on, in a way, exper a kind of experimentation. And it involves animals as subjects, but it's really different in some ways from like product safety testing. You know, the quintessential example that comes to mind for me is like, um, in my book, I, I believe that the evidence already shows that carbohydrate is really bad for dogs and cats, basically. And one of the ways that it is, is it's really fattening. It's more fattening than other calories. And in order to like demonstrate, prove up, test that thesis, what you have to do is basically give some dogs a carbohydrate rich diet, some dogs a carbohydrate not so rich diet, and evaluate how their bodies change over time. Does this group get fatter, thinner? How much weight do they lose? How much fat do they gain? Blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And then the results get published and the scientific community, you know, learns and moves forward. Is like, is it is it Beagle Freedom Project's perspective that like, all that kind of testing really shouldn't be taking, like all that kind of science shouldn't be taking place either? Or is it like about the product specific kind of stuff? Like, can you help me understand kind of what the, the, the kinds of science is like you guys are really against? Yeah, of course. I mean, going to, um, you know, with regards to food, for example, um, this is actually a great topic. It's something that I've wanted to push through and kind of, you know, do much better education and awareness yeah. because again, going back to like the flea and tick, we have this thought process of like, well, it's for them, so it should be fine, right? Um, but they're, you know, obviously you need to do those trials. However, the way in which the, um, you know, the industry as a whole is set up is still cruel. So like I am's pedigree, you know, like there is a long list. What is the other one? Like Blue Mountain. I mean, there's even ones that tout themselves as like super healthy and all natural and whatever, but they still go through the, um, you know, cruel experiments where it's like these animals are still housed in massive testing facilities and it's mm. like force fed and there is so much evidence out there. So if like we look and we see exactly what we're they're doing, it's it's cruel. So cruelty free is really what we're pushing to, right? Especially uh, okay. with products. Um and like one of the things that has has really started to take fire in, you know, the pet food um industry is um actually I think it was, you know, not to name competitors or whatever, but like oh, wild yeah. earth um, you know, they are a plant-based um, product. However, like all over, they talk about how like they feed it, like it was their dogs that they were, you know, testing this on. So they were like the uh, lack of, I don't want to say, the test subjects, I want to say guinea pigs. The guinea pigs, um, yeah. You're literal. Yeah. In your brain. Um, you know, and so. Yeah. Well, I can imagine why. I mean, like. Exactly. They, they can't sell a product really without running that. I mean, like, I'm not, this is me taking off the hat of what's right and what's wrong and just trying to put myself in their shoes and saying like, okay, we're going to sell something that doesn't have the backing of mother nature here in the sense that like plant-based is not, it might work, might work, but it's like not mother nature hasn't proven that out for dogs and cats at this point. It's like, they could probably exist on it. We believe they could. But in order to do it, they got to test it. Well, at least that's like, it seems to me, like that's the only way you could sell that as a product is you got to be like, well, we're going to try it and try to show people that these dogs did just fine on it. Oh yeah, it's no, I'm not scary. saying scary. I'm saying like the way in which they tested. You know? Right, and that's what I'm mis misunderstanding about you guys is that like your focus is largely on the, the word cruel and the conditions of mm -hmm. experimentation. Right. And so like, I know the FDA, so, and it's also ex confusing as heck, you know, because there are two different organizations in which, 
you know, right. they have rules and, you know, whether you're a product or a pharmaceutical or whatever, you know, um, so with regards to, for example, um, the FDA, like they have their own regulations. However, they have already taken amazing steps. I, you know, I say amazing, even though they're super small because <laughs> Oh progress. my God, you have progress, progress. right? Um, to take away any kind of um, regulation saying that they like animals have to be utilized in tests and whatnot. Um, so that being said, like actually right now, they're, they just introduced last year, the FDA Modernization Act, which will- Yeah, the Food Modernization Act. Industry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, so, you know, yeah. as, yeah, it's right. It's like, it's an interesting time to be the FDA in the sense that like there is these days a lot of us take for granted that and our pet animals at least are family members you know it's like right. it's a cliche at this point to say folks get treat their pets like family members but it's real it's true in the sense that like how you think about it and decision making for the animal is largely looks a lot like how you do with a child and the fda and how pet products and services have been regulated doesn't reflect that historically because it hasn't always been exactly how people have viewed pet animals and so fda rather than like if they were starting an agency that regulated pet products today it would look so different than what it really looks like right now because the way it is now is founded a long time ago and it's like evolved from that original understanding so like they're, they try to make steps but it's like they're it, this incremental process is still looks kind of ridiculous in a lot of places, you know, in our world in Jen and I's world, we see it with labeling of pet food products, like what you I mean, I'm so I'm over here in Europe right now. And so usually I'm able to give an example by holding up you've got a can of Coke Zero in front of you, right? Uh, and yeah. it's like, the you know, the FDA's <laughs> nutrition facts panel on that looks one way and you've grown very accustomed to it i'm sure and you've got nutritional pro proclivities for yourself and you're like you look at the back of that and it helps you understand what's in there and whether it's good for you bad for you like the the, the doggy equivalent of that the fda's version of that is like super far behind right now it looks nothing like this it's just like not informative because it's grounded in this world in which like animals were considered something other than like people basically right. and they're trying to play catch up but it's still it's just such a weird transitional period well right and that's exactly why it's you know going back to legislation and whatnot absolutely you know, it's like you we can't keep touting like okay well we're going to make all these other changes over here until like federally, you know, and that was something too, we wanted to do um, with the Beagle Freedom Bill, we, we tried to introduce it in, you know, federal, At a federal level, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, but it kind of stalled out last year, obviously, like COVID, people didn't care about that anymore. You know? Yep. But um, all that to say, yeah, so you've got the FDA, which of course, we're like, cool, but the USDA, which actually, you know, is the one that regulates all of the testing facilities if you have to do any tests whatsoever like everyone has to get registered with the usda and they have their mm -hmm. own set um you know of rules and regulations and everything and those are like light years behind yeah and, that's really yeah. like the other it's it's interesting because mm -hmm. you think about the organizations and what their purpose like it's that same quality of like we're trying to sort of squeeze a square peg into a round hole here. It's like USDA is about like the food production system. And so it's like it kind of fits this like the, the, the notion that like some kinds of animals that are a part of that system should be regulated under this. But it's like FDA is about people including animals like it's about how they like whether health and the products that they're consuming or using are health are like are sufficiently healthy and so it's like approaching it treats animals as like having a kind of personhood whereas usda it's like nope they're just part of this system of production yep. and so it's like really arcane and really behind oh 100 i mean like yeah. it it's almost you know unreal which you know we're seeing too when we do our like educational pieces and say this is happening and people are like how is it even happening and yeah like, yeah nobody's paid attention plus you know and i know you know this there's so much money in it like oh so why make changes yeah. when people yeah. are you know able to push all these dollar bills into their pockets and nobody's really caring which goes to like the next point is social media and you know fantastic 
um, you know, people like you who are like really trying to affect change in, in your world with this kind of uh, media, which is awesome. You know, it hits so many more people than like the traditional book and, you know, newspaper while those are great. Oh, don't it's, I know it. Yeah. So, as somebody who <laughs> no, spent four years working on a book that has been read by probably <laughs> fewer than 100 people, I fully agree with you, Melissa. <laughs> I mean, it's great for like long term. But, you know, it's like social media, we put up a post and it's yeah. like, you know, about yeah. our campaign and it's shared 100 times within the first 20 minutes. Yep. People are signing the petitions and we're like, here we go. Let's, uh, you know. If you understand the legal yeah. system well and you know how to be an operator within that, in this day and age with social media and other digital channels being what they are, you a little can go a long way if you're the right people you don't need a massive organization if you've got a good cause and knowledgeable people you can affect legitimate change not like it's it's just grassroots can go a lot further yep. in this day yep. and age than it ever has been able to before um oh yeah i call them boots cool. on the ground volunteers yeah They're there you go like, yeah. yeah what can we do and i was like i know this sounds so simple share, share tweet, it. tag yeah. like there you go. Put out your own content. Like at this point, you want to, you're so moved by this, please make your own video and tweet tat. Like I said, it's just like you right now, that is the most important thing that anybody can use for education, advocacy, and awareness. And that the, the advocacy component of it, of any of these like animal rights issues, and and animal welfare issues is so I, i'm telling you things you already know but I, like you're watching me experience these realizations in real time it's like you're dealing with trying to improve the lives of a voiceless constituency right and that is so it means that political change that helps that constituency goes so slow you know what i mean it's like when right. people are advocating for themselves they have a whole different level of like engagement. They vote with their, uh, well, they vote on issues that matter. You know what I mean? Like the, the stuff that impacts them directly. Right. When it's like, when it's for a constituency that doesn't have voting power and what you've got to do is get folks with voting power to act on their behalf, that advocacy and education and empathy building and all that is just like, it is a, it's not just like, very important. It's obviously it's it's the thing. You can't do it without it. If you take that away, it doesn't work. And right. so it's such an like that. Yeah, it's just a it's a it's a tricky issue. It's just really hard. You got to get people emotionally invested. Oh yeah, and it's not just like the one and done too with like social yeah. media. Like yeah. that's the other like really intense part of this is constantly keeping things moving yeah. because otherwise you do lose interest and. And nowadays, you're right, like, especially in the political arena, people will only like, again, do tweet, email, whatever within that, like, maybe 48 hours. After yeah, that. yeah. Like, like, that's the downside of this media right. environment is that right. there's a new story right. every 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so that's also where it's like, okay, we got to continuously create, you know, the buzz and the drive as to you know, really affecting change. Um, let's flood their inbox for the next, you know, month. Right. I'm sorry. Like after that, I'd be like, okay, you know, my <laughs> inbox floods after like, you know, a week. If I had anything longer than that, I would lose my mind and be like, fine, I will write a letter. I will call them. You know? right. like, and that's just what, you know, we really just need to do is continuously push and empower people. You know, give them something they can do to make a change right. that, that is really helpful. Yeah. Go march on their office door. Yeah. Like you have that right. That's the other thing. I mean, I know that's this total side political conversation, but we need it's to do something people can do or educating, you know, individuals with regards to that, too. You and so you guys have gotten people. your the model register uh, uh, legislation that you guys put together and like you were saying before, basically the, the, the idea and correct me if I'm like getting it wrong, but it's the idea is what the law does is it requires or it allows for animals that come out of scientific experimentation to be adopted out or requires it. Like what's the, the, the release? Like how does it what how does it work? 
So the verbiage is obviously tweaked differently for each state because mm -hmm. you know bills and politicians do things too. You know our fantastic bill. <laughs> we get yeah, I'm sure. I can <laughs> By the end, we're like, is that even really anyway? Um, but no, it's it. The general gist is, you know, once a study is done and complete, that if they are healthy enough, of course, there's loopholes and it sucks yeah I'm but sure. like that they have to be adopted out to like a qualified organization um that deals with that you know which again going to like a qualified organization really is inferring that someone who knows or an organization that knows about these animals which going back to your earlier comment about um you know the orphanages uh, i mean it's almost relatively similar. You know, I know. I can imagine. I can imagine. Are just they have PTSD. A right. Lot of them will right. Have not only just again the physical, but they'll have mental, and it's hard. Of course. Like fostering my, you know, my Uno was life changing, and I'm not saying that like in in a cliche, exaggerating way. Like literally life changing. I cried for a week because he didn't know how to. What I say, dog. Things we take for granted, you know, even the dogs, as you said, your partner um, deals with, they still have like, have had normalcy. Yeah, you know? I agree. True. Um, yep. These dogs don't know a treat. They don't know a leash. They don't know grass. Um, and I know people say, oh, that's over dramatization. I'm like, I will start sending you pictures of what an inside <sighs> of a um, testing facility looks like and what they're play or enrichment, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, their terms, uh, you know, environment looks like, I think they can get toys if they provide toys for like an hour and then they have to take them away, you mm -hmm. know, sterilize them, make sure that, you know, the, the specimens are perfect for their test. And I'm not mm. kidding. Like that's, that's, I don't I doubt it. No, I don't doubt um, it. You know, so the, like things, again, we just take for granted as to like what, you know, our, as you said, family members are like, mm -hmm. um, and that's like, it's, it's hard to learn about in a way that makes you a legit expert in what's going on between the ears of a nonverbal animal. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like the psychology and its impact of behavior. There are a lot more people in my experience that are self-proclaimed experts on that subject than there are people that have a true expert level understanding that can help an animal that really needs the help. And so it's, it's just hard. And it's a small group of people that are really highly educated that are like, that are really able to do that well. And you're talking and you're, you're highlighting it. Just what feels like such a pickle. It's like, yeah, you gotta be a qualified organization that's will that's able to do this kind of stuff, but there just aren't that many folks out there to do it. And the funding for them is it's just like, it's a, you guys do the Lord's right. work. Like that's, that's just, it just feels infinitely challenging. It, it oh definitely and it and it's sad because not that I want to say that other rescues are bad because they're no you know, the, all of course not great. sure but you're right it's it's okay they do what they do best and it's fantastic and I support you and I donate you know what I mean and it's like yep. but when it comes to these kind of animals it's like you know a newborn baby in like a yeah. seven year old yeah. dog's body they have <sighs> no idea and they're scared to death and yeah. it's sad too because i know while it's great that you know there are lots a lot of labs that will you know release to local rescues the sad part of that is the uh, first of all then they just are adopted out and for us we're complete foster based so okay. they go into foster first so that way they can decompress mm. you know we have time to um first of all get them their medical you know um and then you know, spay neuter whatever mm -hmm. as well as get used to them you know um get to know them are they gonna be good with other dogs we do find that most of the time they are great with other dogs mm. they feel comfortable you know, are they going to be good with cats, children? We want to give them an environment that even though it, it is completely different, allow them to just tell us. So then either that foster at the, you know, the end of the time, they can say, oh, I would love to adopt. Or we now can find the perfect home that fits now how that animal, you know, that dog mm -hmm. um, has reacted. So 
you know, I feel like that decompression and getting all of the information that we need, we, we have a good pack that we put together. Hmm. Um, you know, when we work with the fosters, I mean, the first month is like intense communication and conversation. You know, we also have our, our network of families that will message each other. You know, we have a social channel and they message each other. They share pictures. They see common issues. Yeah, exactly. No, how did yeah. you guys deal with that? And yeah. while we can provide info, it's great that they have others that have. Oh, sure, sure. Whereas, you know, with a rescue, it's, you know, here's the, you know, here's maybe some sort of like literature. Um, and, you know, here you go. Yeah. Again, I know. Like, I'm not dissing that person, you know. That no, no, it's there. just we're trying to, yeah. we're talking exactly. through one thing that makes exactly. it really challenging. Yeah. And we, the thing that, again, going back to what's sad is many times then these families like are overwhelmed and have mm. no idea how to deal with this. So they're either returned to the organization um, yep. or we. And it sours to, them on the experience going forward. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And now this dog is going, you know, back to a shelter or, yep. you know, whatever. Yep. Um, yep. Or the other thing, too, is uh, we've created a, uh, actually a shelter safeguard program because of the fact that many of them will just bring to the Humane Society. Um, and so, you know, here are these lab animals that are special needs, you know, high, high, need yeah. a lot. Yeah. And so we reach out to shelters. We constantly try to have communications with as many shelters huh. as possible to say, if you get a beagle with tattoos in their ears, call us immediately. Mm. No questions Interesting. asked. We will find Interesting. a volunteer. Love that. Mm -hmm. So there are a couple of things that caught my eye as we were like getting ready for this and we we're like fast approaching having been at <laughs> this for another hour. So, no, I mean, we could do this for three hours and it's easy to see why some shows do. But some of the things that I haven't heard you say too much about yet were some of the things that I found most interesting about what you guys do. So you've got a new initiative going right now that's naming names. And I just butchered the name of the initiative, but you could tell us more about it. But I mean, basically what you guys are doing is calling out. I There's nothing I like more than when- Dan's a very like, pro whistleblower, let's get- <laughs> No, I'm just pro, like for me, yeah. one of the few things yeah. that is emotionally sustaining for me in the work that I do is righteous indignation about bad people. Is like when I feel like I see somebody doing something bad, that is motivating for me is more the good feeling of being like I did something good is uh, has its place. But being like that per that organization is doing a bad thing and it just is motivating. And so I relate to that initiative that you guys have going on. But you, you're going to be able to explain it a million times better than I could. So like, <laughs> yes, the proper name. tell us. I mean, that was actually a very, you know, good intro. So you're done. We're good. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, Sounds good. So just yeah, prior to this year, um, or at the end of last year, I should say, you know, we had been more of like a low key um, organization with regards to outing any um, laboratories, because at right. the end of the day, we were more concerned with, you know, getting the animals out. And so labs, we found were shutting their doors to releasing to us because of the fact we're, con you know, uh, uh, mm. controversial. How? Like, we're not telling the labs, you know, like, we're not saying, oh, we got them from, you know, X, Y, Z. But that was the idea that you got, you guys were like, look, let's take a passive approach with respect to calling out labs so that they'll be more likely to, like, partner with us, work with us in it. Right. And then we can continue our legislation. And, you right. know, I it, it was softer, but it was also different times. Like, it really hasn't been until the last couple of years that I feel society has really taken a huge shift in regards to, you know, learning and disseminating, right? Um, and so that was part of the reason why we did it. You know, we decided to switch our model and be like, we're advocating. Here we yeah. go. We are, yeah. you know, people have wanted to know lab names and here you go. Um, the other major part of it is because, you know, how I was saying, you know, in the beginning, of course, a lot of uh, animals, unfortunately, are euthanized. Well, when they are ready to adopt out and the lab will adopt them out, if they find out that it's us, we have a very high percentage of them shutting their doors and then they go to just a regular rescue or we don't even know. We don't even know what happens. And that has happened so many times. It's almost like unreal like 
after a while you're like this is what's going to happen i'm going to call it and then yeah yeah and at the end of last year we had that happen and it was basically the straw that you know was the end of the pickup sticks and it just fell and shannon was ready to unleash her you she know, was just like i'm a lawyer oh, time she, to get, it was yeah. awesome because that's who yeah. she is so it's been yeah. hard mm-hmm. i you know i've always had respect for her but i'm not gonna lie like the minute she's like i am done i was like I want to kiss you. Like, let's go. I mean, I've always been invested. I am ready to, do I need to put on, like, what do I need to put on? Like some sort of, you know. All right. So who's, so you're calling out specific bad actors. Who's one. I, I, there's something, there's a, you mentioned it on this show and I'm not, it's not a brand and I'm an industry person. I don't even know what that organization is. Yeah. So they, um, the campaign is open cages, naming names, and it's right, just an ongoing right. revolving door of, you know, who's the next we're going to out. Right now, um, the campaign that we are running under that is uh, End in Vigo. So in Vigo, um, actually, I think it used to be like Harlan Laboratories. And then, you know, they kind of do this. It's like a swallow yeah. up. Oh, swallow yeah, up, yeah. So oh, yeah, yeah. Before you know it, you're right. like... Because anyway. that's what, like, even if you guys, sorry, to, but like, if you're super successful and you do end in Vigo, what that'll look like is that brand goes away and all the assets of it will somehow end up in a new thing that's got a sweeter title, not to be the biggest cynic in the world, but oh, that's, I mean, I've no, seen it, you know, like that. <laughs> yeah. And as we've, you know, continued in this campaign, we are finding it's like, oh, I see you now. And, you know, it it is happening already. So in Vigo, um, they have like four different locations. um, And right now their location in Cumberland, which again is the um, breeding facility, is like in hot water. They have had for the last year, almost, almost a year now, they have had multiple repeat like I think it's like over 70 USDA violations. Yeah, USDA is crawling down there, uh, mm-hmm. sure. Which at yeah. this point is also like unheard of that they haven't shut it down. Like like at this point, it's like you should have. So that's our campaign is we have a letter um, on our site, which, you know, it's, it's a pre-populated letter. You just add in some, you know, contact information, which you can or can't share, or you don't, whether you want to share it with us or not, that's totally whatever, but it does go to the person who's directly responsible for insure, like has that power. The USDA mm. has that At power. USDA. Yeah. Like they can shut them down. And what's um, the website? Uh, BFP.org backslash O-C-N-N as in open cages naming names. Love you it. go there and if you're persuaded by the like, and I, mm-hmm. I certainly am, there's video there and there's like written detail of the nature of the violations and they're pretty heartrending. And oh, yeah. um, if, it, if the, you feel moved by it, you can submit and uh, put, the, put another letter yeah. on the desk of somebody who can do something about it. Right. I agree. And let's talk about some of these other initiatives as well. We have the Cruelty Cutter app, which I actually downloaded this morning. I was like, I have to check this out. <laughs> Love it. Can you do a quick touch base on what inspired that, what it is, and how that really directly affects this and animal abuse? Right. Um, what inspired it is, uh, you know, of course, it's overwhelming um, to know what is and is not tested on animals. Um, you know, as we've actually progressed in the, what is it, six years now that the app has been, uh, you know, developed. There really? Has been, yeah, it was 2016. Wow. Um, wow. We're actually actually going through a uh, app, you know, upgrade and redesign. You know, it's it's ready. It but was anyway. it was you guys in Napster in 2016, <laughs> right. I think. Right. I think those are the yeah. only two apps, yeah, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many products that just continue yep. to like pop up. So it's like, you know, the average consumer. Um, <laughs> even myself as a seasoned cruelty-free vegan have found out there are tons of products that you think are, you know, cruelty-free, but really aren't because the industry, again, it goes to this like, okay, you know, for example, for example, Unilever is horrible. So if you look at your products Mm -hmm. and you see that little Unilever symbol, guess what? But um, they have made a cruelty-free line of like shampoos and conditioners. Hmm. Okay. So of course you see it, 
you don't see Unilever, or at least I think it's like maybe small. But anyway, right. so, I digress. so the app was geared to making it so much more simple to know right away. Yeah, you, have to you like scan barcode. So it's like right, right away, you know, boom, you know, all the details. Okay. Exactly. I love because it. sometimes they don't actually have like, you know, the heart or the leaping bunny or whatever. Because those certifications, yeah. you know, as I'm sure, um, mm -hmm. you know, if you need to get products certified, you know, grain-free, you know, gluten-free, whatever, yeah. um, it's a lot of money. So some of them just don't. And it's great because, you know. Boom, there you yeah. are. So we can tell you, it can just from scanning a barcode, the app tells the consumer how, like if, if it's a product that's in the database, it tells it what, like basically you guys' seal of approval or does it tell it's more specific information than that? Yeah, it, it will give you a little screen, <clears throat> excuse me, that it'll say this product is cruelty free and I believe it's in green. Okay. Um, and then, uh, if it is like what I said about, you know, that one line from Unilever, it'll say this product is cruelty free, but the parent company tests on mm. animals. Okay. And then if they do test, it's like a big, then it's just a, yeah. and then you yeah. have buttons too, that are like interactive where you can, um, share, you know, ah, very good. Yep. That's smart. Um, I want to boycott this item or this company, um, so yeah, and then like I said, there's going to be some development developments coming up shortly. Sure. So then I feel like it'll be you know a lot more user intuitive, but it's still amazing. Yeah, and we have a team okay. that like literally combs through and like updates and changes. And this is global. I wasn't sure that was interesting global. enough to ask you about because that's interesting to me. It's like yeah. how on earth do you guys put together a database? Oh my god, we nerd out can, about that. Yeah, and it's just like, are there enough listeners that really care about that? Because I care about that. So if you, I mean, that's a big task. That's a big ask. Well, and like I yeah. said, it's global. So we have yeah. like a ton of users in Turkey. It's great. I don't even huh. know. Like, I'm oh like, what's gosh. happening in Turkey? Well, I got to research <laughs> that. Um, and Amazing. yeah, so they go through. And, you know, users can also say, like, if you, it does pop up with saying, like, this product is unknown or whatever, you can report it. And our team is so amazing. Um, every week they give us an update. We removed 90, mm -hmm. you know, whatever companies huh. we updated this amount, you know, 15 users submitted stuff and we updated. And, um, you know, they actually, it's so funny because um, one of the individuals on this team is solely responsible for like, emailing communicating like with the right like they've got it down to a science to know what to say to what to ask and how to get like the correct information mm. and also written so like it is legitimate right and he's like even if i went in and researched stuff i'd be like oh here you go and mm -mm. oh thank you so much for that information and we'll go do it if, you know himself. <laughs> that's funny okay. so love yeah it. <laughs> love it i'm like <laughs> a pitbull of information here yeah so please go download the cruelty cutter app it's yeah so that's what i was getting, like are there what are the take home what are like somebody's yeah. listening to this show they're learning about beagle freedom project for the first time it feels compelling to them what's the ask like what do you what, yeah. what do you what do you want people to do if they're hearing about this and they feel compelled oh yeah help advocate and educate you know go to our website um bfp.org i know it's it's got so much amazing information um, regarding what our current campaigns are, again, um, which is end in Vigo. Please go and sign that uh, open letter. The more voices, again, continuously mm -hmm. flood that inbox. It goes to his email. Um, <laughs> you know, of course, we love donations. Uh, we can't continue to legislate. As you know, um, passing bills is also very expensive, as well as rescuing mm -hmm. um, these animals. Um, and yes, shop cruelty free because yeah. your voice matters, believe it or not, which, you know, should be indicative of how many products have already come to um, market just within the last year. It's unreal. So cool. download Cruelty Cutter. Very good. Amazing. Well, we'll make sure we have all of those call to actions on the show notes. Yes. Yeah, and one of the things, well, those new to the podcast, Dan Shuloff is the CEO of Keto Natural Pet Foods, and he's supporting you all as well in, in June. So when this podcast was released, we're recording a little bit earlier than June, but when it is released, 
he's going to use it's keto pause partner program, which I absolutely love this initiative. So keto natural partners with nonprofits such as Beagle Freedom Project, and they do essentially what's called a fundraiser. So for the month of June, you can shop keto natural pet foods with a special discount code BFP 25. You'll receive 25% off your first order, but $25 of that order is going to go directly to the Beagle Freedom Project, which yeah. So if you're on the fence of maybe trying a new dog food, maybe you've heard about the low carb dog food initiative and the health, you know, the health benefits around that. This is a really good option to try or, you know, maybe you're fostering a dog or maybe, you know, I think there's a lot of lines through that of just really giving back directly to your organization. So that is through the month of June through the Keto Pause Partner Program. So I just want to make sure to put in a plug for that because that is just one of Thank the many ways that companies and individuals can support your organization. So oh, we are more than appreciative. Actually, we were sent a little bit of those calming treats and oh, it's been- We thought about here. how that, that feels like such a natural fit, but it's just like, it's funny that like the business aspect of this is like where we're all like dropping the ball. Cause it's like, that has got to be a good fit for the, the population that you guys deal with. But I just, we haven't gotten the right people in the right room yet. to talk about how to maybe make something work there, but oh, I'm yeah. glad I mean, they're well, positive. We put a couple, you know, in our foster packs and we're like, here, try these out. So yeah. super yeah, excited about that as well. I mean, it was, yeah, like Very you said, good. perfect. We were good. more than excited. So thank you again so much. Oh, yes, absolutely. No, thank you. This yes. is like, yeah, we could do this. We don't do too many interviews. We often, it's just Jen and I talking about one pet food thing or another. And so yeah. this is a real privilege for us, but it's really cool to get somebody who's got such an interesting project and yeah. is doing so much good stuff. I feel like we could really talk. This is just like you're, you know, you're a woman <laughs> after my own heart. Like we had a similar like approach to this yes. stuff and we could talk forever. You might even hire Dan one day as a legal beagle. Who knows? Ah, uh, yes. That's the main oh, take home from this. If you got that out of this show, that is the donation. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, that is actually a very serious uh, conversation we could definitely approach because there is. I'm found, I'm in the process of founding a nonprofit that's like, it's, it's an advocacy type organization. It's like, doesn't really overlap. They're not inconsistent in any way, but it's like, these issues are on top of yeah. mind for me a lot these days as well. And so, but I'll tell you, put that legal beagle desk nameplate thing on the Christmas list for Shannon for Christmas 22 and she'll be stoked. I pro I don't even know who she is, but it sounds like something she'd be stoked about. Oh, I think she would like cry. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it is yeah. so brilliant. So if, you know, the takeaway is you know, we aim to please. we've got a new title for Shannon and we'll uh, save more uh, beagles because she'll just be so much more motivated. Amazing. Gosh, well, keep on keeping on. We yeah. fully support yeah, your initiative. I have learned so much in just this like short span of time. I agree with Dan. I could literally talk about this for hours. So thank you, Melissa, from the bottom of our hearts. We are, we're so happy to have you as our, our first guest on the Feed Your Dog Facts podcast. So <laughs> thank you all for listening. And until next time, bye-bye. Bye, everybody.